And now we welcome back one of our partners in the Warcast Network. Well, hi there, everyone. It's great to see you again. It's me again, your friend out here in the grim, dark future. Today, as part of our um, exchange program, I have a special guest to talk to, our friend from the uh, Brotherhood. How's it going today? Great to be here today, Bob. Um, yes. Lovely to have you on the show. Now, as I understand it, your Brotherhood is engaged in some very special business. We are, we are indeed. We have but one function, one need in our lives, to prepare all for the coming of them. Now, the them you're referring to is the Tyranid Hive Fleets, is that right? The what now? The Hive Fleets? <gasps> that is a great and sacred secret! That knowledge is fiercely guarded by our brothers, and not shall not be spoken of to unbelievers. Well, yes, but you're not. An unbeliever, that is. You should not speak of this, unbeliever! <clears throat> In any case, they're already here. Who are? The Tyranid Hive Fleets. What? What? They have come! The word of their perfection must be spread to the galaxy! I must leave. Sorry, Bob. Maybe another time. And... yes, there he goes. Well, now, I suppose they disappear just as suddenly as they arrived. And there you have it, folks, a reminder that the only thing you can rely on in this grim, dark future is blood for the blood god. Enjoy the show. This is the Traxxas Sector Warcast, a podcast about Warhammer 40k Conquest, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Lopez, John King, and Carl Anderton. Episode 28, The Cultist Exchange Program. All right, welcome, folks. This is the Traxxas Sector Warcast. My name is Tobin Lopez. I'm John King. And I'm Carl Anderton. John, what are we up to today? Well, the Planetfall cycle is complete. We'll share our overall thoughts on the state of the game, what we liked, what we didn't. Well, is there anything that we didn't like? Next, with the Tyranid firmly entrenched in the Traxxas Sector, we'll dive into the lore of the faction without friends. Lastly, we've had some great folks approach us about learning the game, and we'd like to share our thoughts on teaching it for maximum impact. All right, welcome. So... The planet fall cycle is over and done, and next week, man, we are fast on the heels of the planet fall. Next week, the our, our robot overlords arrive. Yes, right? as, this as has got were. to be the, the shortest gap for deluxe we've ever seen. I'm absolutely, sure. yeah. crazy. absolutely. So, and and I looked yesterday for whatever reason on the FFG upcoming page, the jungles of Nectivus actually isn't classified as a living card game. Because it's not on the <laughs> like if you go to living card games, you yeah. do the filter, you don't see any of the. Death World cycle cards. It's like, wow, that's weird. I know they're there, and so yep, and so. But Death World cycle. So the jungles is, I think, at the printer or maybe even on the boat. I can't. Uh, I looked on one, Monday or Tuesday, but it's it's. If it's on the boat. That's it tanks the boat. Free Gen Con. Yeah. Oh no 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 yeah the gen jungles wow. is, the Gen Con is you know end of July. Yeah, but I mean there's normally right. there's normally some some back off release. That's I enough. don't Jeez. think there's crazy like, the normally part of. Yeah, that well, everybody's been talking about and Netrunner and in all this yeah. stuff and that it doesn't apply anymore. We're in a we're in a whole new world. I think we're seeing so. the effects of um, Asmodee North America. For yeah. The last six oh, months. absolutely. I think yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. what we're I seeing. So. Yeah. And and you know the the maybe the streamlining of processes and everything else getting ready and mm. so on and so forth. I Although the processes aren't completely streamlined because that's according to Steve Horvath, that's why there was such a delay on announcing the Netrunner. Well, exactly. Yeah. Apparently there was some physical printing issue so. through last year, but yeah. Yep. 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 So, anyways, 
on to, on to not real world problems. <laughs> Let's talk about real world awesomeness, which is Planet Fall Cycle is done. We have the Warlord sitting in front of us. Uh, I was oh, impressed. Boy. You know, I, if if memory serves, Brad was saying that he wanted this cycle to be about the planets, about the planet flop, about having bringing those icons really into things. Secondarily, I don't know if he mentioned this explicitly, but secondarily, he's kind of breaking the the circle, right? Breaking the mm -hmm. wheel mm -hmm. with Gorzod, with Commander Starblaze, and I think that's really about it, right? Gorzod yeah, and Starblaze break the wheel. Well, I mean, and some of them, some of them encourage you. I think the cycle as a whole has has had more allied choices we wouldn't normally expect. Okay. Without not 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 by breaking the faction wheel, but like. The um the Shadow Sun Elbar vehicle one, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Previously yeah. would have been like completely crazy. Or the Shadow Sun Sp Space Marine one. Yeah, like, yeah the Shadow Marine one. Like, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Right, big bads. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at these, and I have to say that I I'm impressed. I mean, this is this was uh, overall good. I haven't had a chance to to play with Farinal the Eldar. I played against her the other night against Jason, but otherwise the other ones I really. Well, of course, I like war, right? Um, uh, there's this. I like Morn. I like Morn, which is Dark Eldar. I, you know, I stayed away from Urien, and I stayed away really from Kith. And I like well, Mavros. I'm a Space Marine. I, I reach for the Mavros deck, <laughs> that, like voluntarily. I mean, that's something to be. That's something for me to say, man. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I got oh I got to admit, yeah, Mavros. Um, <laughs> I, I've played. I've played all of them, uh, even. You know, even the Archon, and they're all pretty neat. Uh, but yeah, Mavros, boy. <laughs> I, I mean, I love War too. Don't get me wrong, but I, it's almost like when you pull out the War deck, your opponent kind of goes, "Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this line in." And if if people aren't familiar with the old tagline for 40k, but it's very simple: in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. <laughs> yes. And then in this and, case, um, there's a W on the end. Of you know, I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> War. You you pull out War, and you realize, for somebody who normally plays wacky decks. You know, I try. I, I save war for for tournament. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But I, I deconstructed even, him. I yeah, deconstructed him. After yeah, but even Mavros now has got. He's kind of a. He's a beat stick. He he's. It's just unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, is it's a it's a oh, it's a yeah. combo ish. Yeah. Space Marine, mm -hmm. right? Which is which is kind of my flavor. Like, yeah, yeah let's do let's, this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, you're you're building <laughs> to something, and I'm not going to be able to stop it. Whereas. Like, like Ragnar and Kato are with their drop pod assaults, with their ambush units, which yeah. Mavro still has, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's kind of a more, maybe this is why I like combos, is because the more the combo happens and the more it chains together, the more demoralizing you might, <laughs> might the, 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 the greater the demoralizing mm -hmm. effect on your opponent. Yes, I see the unstoppable. Yes, I can't stop it. Yes, he's hitting for plus three. I get it. I understand. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, I'm bloodied. I, yeah, I had a game against <laughs> a guy know? where someone dropped the um, the Sword Brevin Dreadnought Planet 1. Turn, turn 1, Planet 1. They went, eh, why not? Paid the whole cost, slammed it down. Oh, my and God. And I just went like... And that wouldn't have been too particularly nasty, apart from the fact that he sent his Warlord to trigger move a unit from one planet to another. <laughs> so at that point, then things got a bit silly. As, yeah, a, as yeah, the Dreadnought yeah. stomped his way down the table, going oh like, yeah, bounce gosh. the damage, trigger a battle ability. Oh, what? <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah. In fact, bounce the damage that Mavros just gave to him. Here, have plus one. You know, you yeah. trigger this battle ability yeah. and move to the next planet. Yeah, it was pretty horrifying. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Archon Sending Morn got even stronger with the last, with the final pack with 
the flayed skull slavers, the plus two at a red planet, plus two oh, resources yeah. if it's at a red planet. Mm. Wow, some of this stuff is and and with our previews, the Death World cycle, we're seeing a lot of vehicles. Gorzad's going to get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, heck, uh, War and Kotiaz might get better with the Aston Militarum stuff. Although we're seeing in the Necron packs, we just had the spoiled money of the units were are saying if you control a not this yes. Faction Warlord, which that's, I think is awesome. Yeah, that is yeah, the bit that's yeah. really, really, really. The funky. standard bearer was well, the first one, right? Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. well, okay, whatever. And then, but then now you're seeing the full rainbow of that. Of yeah. That, of that mechanic. The, the Nightshade, Nightshade Fighter really is the neat. one that made me go. Yes. Is that the all? Is that that's, the other one? That's the other one. Yeah. Zero. What, basically, what's going to be a two cost or zero cost. Four four vi- two command icon vehicle with AOE two. Right, yeah, because it, it, starts at, it starts at six cost. It's going to be in there with Bone Singers and Sasellum, and probably the new SDC fragment. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, yes, yes. It's right here. SDC yeah. oh. We have a printout of the of many of the spoilers. Oh my word! So the Nightshade Interceptor is an Eldar unit. It's a common two co- uh, six cost two command icons four four. It's a flyer, no war gear attachments. But while you control a non-Eldar warlord, the unit gains area effect too. So yeah, Shadow Sun vehicle stuff. Yeah. But before we charge into all that, as we were oh, talking no, about no. Planetfall, Absolutely. I will say one of my um, major comments on all this. Number one, I have my new favorite warlord. Um, Subject Omega is is easily the thing I'm enjoying playing the most, and mm-hmm. it's got better and better each pack. Excellent. So I think we can say to um, say a little quick quick thing there, FFG. This is how you support a warlord. Which is, oh my word, something crazy. Oh my, every single pack was something new crazy yeah. for him and just yeah. kept doing that. So that's yeah. great. He, he's my favorite Tyranid Warlord. Yeah, easily that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying him. Really? Yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe it's because. I've played him a few times and I think Old One Eye and or. The Swarmlord? Well, the Swarmlord is number three. I think Old One Eye. My, it's they're duking it's, it out. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I think maybe, I, maybe it's because he's a new guy to me. Maybe. As freaking oh male, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh. is the Space Marine Tyranid deck. It's <laughs> that kind of feel of just the big efficient with a horrible swing um, yeah. ability. Yeah. 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 But what I was kind of what I was getting out of the planet for stuff. Quite apart from our, our, my our new Gene Sealer brethren there is um, the flavor. None of these feels the same to anything we've had before, all to themselves. Yep. I mean, the closest we have is Talison feels a little bit like a Eldar Strachan. A tiny bit, but not quite. The other right. cards coming in. Right. And that, mixed with the new cards, have just blown open the style of play. There's so much different, so many different feels of play. We now have um, three major Tau deck archetypes. Four, if you include Onshi. Onshi, two variants of Shadow Sun, Vehicle and Marine. And Starblaze himself, who plays like no other Tau. Yeah. Not right. even close, you know. Right. And everyone, everyone else in there is like that. Like you say, Mavros is the combo, combo marine deck. Yeah. Who, well, yeah. It, it, and I, I had this, I made this note as we were, as I was preparing for the show, putting the outline together, and I realized that, at least competitively, this mm-hmm. isn't necessarily fun quotient or anything else, but competitively, mm-hmm. who are the, the, who, the we had the warlord cycle, and out of those warlords, Ragnar was the very first one, right, mm-hmm. and he was by far. The best performing on the competitive scene of the new warlords. of those warlord cycle warlords. Yeah, I think of them for right? the most part. Of yeah. those Probably warlord not. cycle warlords. Mm-hmm. War, maybe it's just coincidence, but mm-hmm. he was the first one in that pack, mm-hmm. right? In the planetfall. Yep. In the mm-hmm. planetfall yep. cycle, there, yeah. and he was by far the more, yep. more competitively successful. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. like we said, right? You yeah. sit down against war, you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. the record record bears I, that out. I don't <laughs> I don't play him in fun games. I like I said, I disassembled my deck. I'm playing Cotiez, and I had this insane game 
Jason was playing Farinol, and we had, it was no green planets, first three planets, they were all red. So on planet three, which was uh, the, the first green planet, and the wind condition for him, or maybe it was the fourth planet, because I inter I'd interrupted that progression. We had 21 army units die <laughs> in that battle. And five guardsmen die mm -hmm. in that battle. And I still had three guardsmen and two units and my warlord left over. <laughs> so what, it was insane. It so was what, a great... So what, but it was... You know, that was a Cotes battle. It was just yeah. wonderful. I was going to say, what you're telling me is what needed to happen there was someone needed to give up and then the doom of all dooms had to be meted upon yeah, HQs. Uh, oh, my maybe. word. I was afraid of, No, but wow. I... Because, yeah. because I had played through three... Yeah. three Two transports over the th first three turns, oh. so I triggered them all on that planet. The oh. black ship was triggered. I had three Katachans outposts out. I was, it was insane. I ended up putting an Inquisitorial Fortress, getting rid of the dire Avenger Exarch that makes you attack warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. rid of him <laughs> so I could attack the warlord. It was insane. The battle probably went on for ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's a horrible thought too, because because of the the prevalence of war, we haven't really considered how nasty the troop transport is for like Cotiers. Oh, yeah. it's something oh, yeah. I can blast. Oh, yeah. It's something I can blast. Oh, it's something it. I can blast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, just yeah, keep to on Tobin, swinging. Tobin's oh. put together a Kodia's deck that he's got a couple tricks in there that I was like, you <laughs> suck. That is so good. <laughs> Screw you. Why can't I think of these guys? awesome combos? Oh, dear so, me. Yeah. But, so, so as far as, like, Planet Fall Cycle, guys. So, I have, I mean, War is my favorite. Mm -hmm. But Mavros and... You know, if I feel like a dick, <laughs> Selene Morn. <laughs> it's funny because I think I feel like a bigger dick for playing a Archon Selene Morn than I do playing more. <laughs> if, if I, if Maybe because everybody knows his tricks and is like ready to. Well, probably, probably are, since he's been around for months and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Morn's only been out. Really? Only been out well, yeah. eight weeks. And War isn't, it, war it, isn't it, built it, around. Has she been out? No, she hasn't been out that long. Has she? She was out. Before she was the third one, she was in the third pack. Okay, yeah, well, maybe now, yeah. Second I, pack, no, I, no, I, no I, second pack, second, but second pack. But she didn't really turn on until the third pack when she had more. Yeah, she uh, was. She was around for. She was around okay. all the way through okay. Spellchamp seasons. Just yeah, very few people played her until those those click cards came in that turned. Right, I, I just, my, my real, you know, Jason. My, my my real experience with her was was right before regionals when Jason. He's like, oh yeah, I put together this fun deck, and then it's like, wow. I, my warlord's getting bloodied from ambush. <laughs> yes, Holy sir. shit. Yeah, that's really scary. Yeah. So, yeah, here's the order that they came out in here. Let's put them in that order here. Oh, 25. Yeah, Barzul was, is Second. probably yeah. the most complex. Yeah, he's still Chaos the one still I'm, is. Yeah, Chaos he's still, still is. the one I'm yeah. figuring out. Yeah. Chaos still is yeah. a moving, moving parts deck. Yeah. Mavros then, yeah. tell us in yeah, there we go. So he's... He, I've got to admit, I, I put together an elite uh, corrupted teleportarium deck that I'm using uh, Barzul, and, and that's pretty fun for me, anyway. Again, wacky deck, you know? yeah. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. O only only looking more more impressive with the stuff coming up. Jeez. Well, and, and know? I, you know, as cycles go, this was, you know, and it, it's hard to compare this one to the Warlord cycle. The Warlord cycle was was expanding the universe it was the first one you can't really say oh yeah that was cool like it was good in expanding the universe we didn't have an idea of the robustness of the game 
this provided an idea of the robustness of the game. Yeah. And with the spoilers from the Death World cycle, we're just seeing more and more things. And the little Necron stuff and the, the some of the spoilers for the for the non-Necron units. Like mm-hmm. the STC fragment, which is a limited card. It's a relic. It's a support that costs one. It is unique. When you deploy an elite unit, exhaust the support to reduce the cost of that unit by two. And it, she's got an image. It looks like she's got an image of a land raider. Yeah, okay. So in there, the is, SC, this is, is a land raider considered fun, an elite? Fun little, uh, fun little law poke in here, what this is about. An yeah. STC is a standard template construct. Before humanity oh, right. collapsed through the Dark Ages, yes, yes. they developed um, a variety of different things. What STCs are vary a bit depending where you are in the history of the law. They, the current version is the idea that it should be basically they're old bits of tech. It's how to make things we don't know how to make anymore is generally the important ones that are right, found. Right, right, right. The original STCs were kind of hilarious because um, there was this cool idea of here is a list of how to make all the things the Imperium needs. So all your weapons, your tanks, your equipment, your armor from any available material. So the old joke was that like they found they found an abandoned planet that had STC fragments left on it, where people had like Liman Russes built out of wood and twine, because it because the the information said how you could get this thing to work, making it out of local material. Wow! So that was the kind of the crazy early version. But the but the, the more the more recent one in the law in the law setting is that yeah they're they're the um the little repositories of crazy knowledge. So the yeah. idea is that they found a cheap way of getting an elite unit into play. Right, 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 right. And, and it's funny because I'm 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 back reading some of the books out of the Horus Heresy, and which one are you on? Uh, I am reading Prospero Burns. Yeah. Oh, okay. So which, you're ahead of me. I'm I'm actually waiting. Well, on the I, two before that. I jumped around. Because one, I couldn't find I couldn't find the Thousand Suns, the one that tells the yeah. story from. Yeah. Magnus the Red side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. None of none of the but libraries in Colorado apparently. How far into Prospero Burns are you? Uh, I am to the point where I believe they are at the planet and going to attack Prospero. Yeah, at Prospero. Yeah, so you've got a lot. You've actually got a lot of what's going on from the overview of that same story because yeah. the Thousand Suns, the Thousand Suns being accused, not the Thousand Suns under accusation, which is the other book. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so the. Um, but the thing about thing uh, these STCs show up throughout the lore because I mm-hmm. also I'm also reading Mechanicum. Yes, yes. So that is that, that was actually a very entertaining book. I finished that was the segment of the last thing. Yeah, the, yes. So Mecha- Mechanicum for people who haven't read it is talks about the Adeptus Mechanicus on Mars uh-huh. and how during the Horus Heresy, Mars revolts against the Emperor. Or there's a revolution. Some of some of yeah. Mars. Yeah, there's, there's a civil, there, there, war, there's a civil war on Mars as well, and part of the part of the people are, are trying to side with part of the upper echelon are siding with Horus, and he had what how he had bribed them was basically he supposedly says I've got some STC uh, knowledge, some fragments, some um, some this, and He'll course, let, well, yeah, because what uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you're right, it is STC. I hadn't thought of that, but it was basically like Horus said. Remember when the emperor came to you and he locked away all that knowledge? Horus said, "I'll let it, I'll let you in." Right. I'll let you get it. Mm-hmm. So that was the payment for their. Yeah, the idea. Their, yeah, the, the idea that was um, the dark age of technology was is, was known as that because the Imperium considered some things to be bits of tech that we shouldn't use, like mm-hmm. forbidden knowledge, like you say. Right. There. Like for example, AI. Right. The, um, the Imperium and the and the and the the forty k setting as a whole is very opposed to artificial intelligence, and the suggestion is the implication. Is that one of the things that happened that caused the original fall of humanity was they developed strong AI and had a war with the things, pretty much. Now this is all this oh, is all stuff we can't prove. Is right, right. Like that, Terminator. Yeah, yeah right, basically, yes. It's well, that's, that's one of the things yeah. in Prospero Burns. One of the characters there, the 
the guy, he's uh, uh, an, ar- an archivist, a researcher. One of the things he's trying to research, yes. what his big question that he has out there is, why did the dar- Dark Age of Strife happen? Yeah. Because humanity, nobody knows. Precisely, right. yeah. And this is one of the implied things about it. The, the, the general overall thing is that the warp storms kicked up, but there is, and that caused, that might have been one of the things that caused the Age of Strife. But the other general suggestion is that that was one of the things caused by. The, we already know that right. Smash, for example, caused the emergence of psychers in humanity and things like that. So it's not the link is not as clear. Yeah, well, it, change, and that's that's know? the thing I love about the lore is because we're at war we're in forty forty k right, and so we have a history of thirty k. Well, even in thirty k, they don't know what happened in. 20K what you know, twenty k yeah, still twenty right? still fifty twenty five thousand twenty eight thousand years gap between yeah, now and exactly. then basically you know yeah. the, that dark age of strife so that that's really cool then also even in the in the um, gaunt ghost books there is an S, there is a story mm-hmm. with the STCs because they take a planet a chaos planet and it has an STC and the Imperium wants to fire it off and and gaunt knows no 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 this has been a, a corrupted thing and this is going to be a bad thing. And he ends up blowing up the STC. They fight it out. Yeah, they fight that's it out. That's in the second book. Yeah, because that, that's second what the or cor- third book. Yeah, yeah, the corrupted Iron yeah. Warriors. Because yeah. somebody turns it on, and all of a sudden these corrupted machines start coming out of this yeah. because you know they knew War figured yeah. it had been tainted by chaos. And I don't know if the saint the, spoke to him. Oh, it said something like that. I mean, no, yeah, it's right. second or third book. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it was yeah, way way early in the cycle, so that was really cool. And the funny thing is that there hadn't seemed to be a repercussion to Gaunt yet. For destroying that now, maybe it's because nobody knows that he destroyed it. Uh, because yeah, it seemed, it seemed like that everybody that, that was there, he was like one of the few people standing that walked away from that. Well, the, yeah. the, the, the Imperium's viewpoint on that gets a little interesting. The only people who will really, really care is the Mechanicum, is the Adeptus Mechanicus. Okay, they're the ones that would be like that sacrilege. That's a dreadful thing to do. The rest of the um, of the governmental hierarchy of of the Imperium is a little more pragmatic. And if there was any opinion at all or anything that like it seemed to be dangerous or it wasn't necessarily worth all the effort, they would be as oh, pretty unconcerned. Okay. The, the Mechanicum is the one that would be like, Mechanicus would be the ones going like, no, you shouldn't have done that, <laughs> kind of thing. All right, so in well, terms of mechanics, I'm going to use this as a segue. Is there anything else we want to say about the Planetfall Warlords? Well, I will throw one quick thing in. Other than Carl loves his subject <laughs> Omega. <laughs> so I would throw one thing in about the Planetfall cycle. We've been talking about looking at the cycle as a whole. And you know you, you were discussing um, the Warlord cycle before, mm-hmm. and it's from what we've seen from the other LCGs, and it's fair to call this on Conquest as well. That the first cycle after the box is meant to solidify what the game's about, spread it out a little bit, but make the game a basic, basic complete version of the original Conquest. And yeah. I think it did a good flushing job. it out. Exactly, flushing yeah. It, yeah. All, all, the wall, none of the Warlords, and there were crazy surprises, as it were. A lot of them built on what we expected to see. They rounded out those playstyles, and then the Planetfall start, cycle started, and they said we want to shake things up. Of course, as every new cycle wants to, and we want to make the planets and their positioning important. And I think the big takeaway is that's mission accomplished. Or not only more important, but even malleable. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah. that that was awesome. I yeah. mean, that was I, that was yeah. a thing I was really looking forward to in the Planetfall cycle about seeing how that was going to interact, how the icons were going to matter, maybe what you could change about it. And yeah, they hit. Spot on, FFG, way yeah. to go. Well, well, yeah, and you have Declare the Crusade, which switches out two planets, blam, blam, right? And then you have, what is it, Warp Rift, the Chaos Event, the yeah, one cost swap, Chaos swap Event, just came out, yet you swap two adjacent planets. Those are those are huge, yeah. right? Uh, the Warp Rift is really fun. I Right now, I'm not a Chaos player. I'm, I'm always going to couch that now because I've learned. 
because I've you know they've have been playing Dark Eldar. So right now I'm not a Chaos player, but when I when I eventually go over to Chaos, <laughs> then I will probably have a Warp Rift or two in my deck. Yeah, yeah that's the only reason. Yeah, and they managed cool. to they managed to maintain this without with in things like the Tyranids with the infested part suddenly becoming the not the oh that looks a bit annoying to that looks absolutely dreadful yeah you know, yep. you know kind of situation yep. so they've, they've, I, don't yep. th- I think they've done a cracking yeah, job yeah it went from, went from something that was oh infestation's beneficial for old one eye for swarm lord but I, I would say infestation's absolutely critical for subject mm-hmm. omega and well, and, so, and, and by by that same um, token critical for your opponent your yep. opponent to go I, I, I'll, I'd never go and clear an infested planet why bother now it's all maybe I will but it's not a safe prospect either right you know yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah. So, since we've got um, Tyranids on the brain after a little bit of conversation, let's have a little word about the Gene Stealers. Um, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. people may have noticed I, I tend to be, I've, I've been talking quite a lot about these, and it's not just because of the Warlord. When I first started playing out the original 40k game, my, like everyone else, I played Space Marines first. Then the second thing I picked up was a little weird little niche corner thing that turned up. Um, there were a few of these in the old, old um, 40k game. Where you could take one of the armies and take a little, basically kind of like, like Warlords Working Conquest, where you take a section and build a, a themed little force around it. And it was the Gene Stealers. Gene Stealers were in the regular Tyranid army, but you could take a little small section of them. And okay. that was focused around the cultists. And so I'm going to start this with a this is a slight plea out to FFG here. We need more of this, please. Because <laughs> the, um, the cultists were humans that were under the control of Gene Stealers. Okay. So because Gene Stealers. They're invasive, right? It's like a, it's like a virus, and they eventually. It's, we've talked about this. Oh, we talked about this many episodes ago, mm-hmm. where the gene stealer mechanic you can it's it's at a at a at a biological level, genetic level, genetic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that's the word I was looking for. Genetic level. The gene stealer can gene stealer can take you over, and you begin as a human. If I were infected, I would begin to do things. That favor the gene stealer just because. Yep. Right. The, um, the, the, the cycle. Overrides the whole thing. my instinct. Exactly. The cycle. Of the whole thing is really fascinating. It's one of the things that really grabbed me with them. So the gene stealers are, are meant to be, along with the lictors, uh, outriders from the Tyranid fleets. Okay. Gene stealers themselves get, can get seeded onto things and be and be left dormant for a long time. This is one reason we see them on space hulks. Is okay. a few a few eggs and gene stealers end up hidden away in there. Yeah. This yep. thing can go through the warp for millennia, pop out somewhere, and when it does, up they Woo-hoo. wake and off they go. A lot of the xenomorphs they're based on from the aliens, films. which makes sense that the gene stealers would pop out on a during the planet fall cycle. Which sell them and there's a, the, them the, the big thing yeah. comes down. Yeah, so some gene stealers end up somewhere, probably you know light years, thousands and hundreds of thousands of light years away from the main fleets. Yeah, they start doing what they do, which is to find people. They implant them and change them genetically. They use retroviruses, and they find whatever local species they can. Humanity is the most common thing they encounter. Implant them in, and as you said before, that that um that person is changed and becomes basically physically a gene stealer cultist. Their psyche is affected, and one of the things they start to do there is to give out very faint um, psychic signals, a tiny bit of the hive mind, a, uh, their own synapses. Okay. Part of this is what controls them and encourages them to form groups. Now, the, the original people they'll change, they'll be quite ordinary looking. So they'll gently um, unveil themselves into the local population. They'll get into positions of powers, they'll start changing situations and getting people to make decisions that help the gene stealers stay hidden yeah. and in control oh, as like they Trump. spread yeah yeah okay basically <laughs> yes I'm afraid so you know yeah uh, I, I think I think sorry. we decided that Barzul was Warlord Trump right what? no <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't. Okay. I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. No, um, you had it here first, folks. Yeah, there Trump you go. is a gene stealer infected. Yeah, we, we've already, remember, we've already hit this one. But tr- Barzul is warlord Trump. We had we had an easy oh, argument. Oh, is that right? Remember? Okay. Yeah, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, if we're gonna, if we're, <laughs> I was about to say. You know, uh, th- th- maybe nothing against Bernie Sanders, but maybe he's actually the gene stealer because it's kind of invasive. It's really subtle, and everybody hears it and goes, Phonetic- "Wow, that's that's a really good idea." I can I can agree with that opinion. I, I am now following along with that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, the people infected by the gene stealers, I'm afraid, um, they they breed, not only with each other, and they produce things that are slightly more gene stealer than human. You get the hybrids. Oh, that's right. They come up that's with little, right. and this one thing you haven't yeah, seen yeah, yet yeah, is particularly yeah. unpleasant, and it's the the fly kind of bit of body horror that they have gene tyranny bits mixed in with human, and well, those ones breed too, and this goes on until eventually what they give birth to are the purebreds, the original gene stealers. So you get more of the regular gene stealers. That's their reproductive cycle. They form these little cults and breed more of them out. Once it gets to that point, a little section of these guys will generally have enough population that the psychic waves they're giving off, the synapse stuff, is strong enough for a high fleet to notice. Okay. The high feet will go, oh, that little system over there is giving off a broadcast. It will turn around, it will come in, it will consume the whole thing, send out a few more gene stealers, and the process continues. So basically, the gene stealers, as outriders, go out, find a population, and if they're successful, the, the tyrannids know it's, it's a good place to come to. Wow. That's how Very they operate. Cool. That's and how they operate. And that, then that goes to the, the ambush mechanic mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Yeah, popping up out of nowhere. Yeah. Pop out of nowhere. Yeah, they've been here the whole time. Right. The whole place is full of them, you just right. don't know. Right. And they arrive all of right. a sudden. And Omega himself is a patriarch. It's a um, one a type of um, uh, gene stealer that forms when a cult has been breeding for quite a while and produces a stronger, more ferocious version of the of specimen of the ah, species. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Excellent. And that's how they formed up. So this is the point I'm getting at. If anyone out there is good at artwork, I want little termagant tokens that are actually gene stealer cultists. Little one one thingy tokens. Okay. Right now, that's, that's, I'm sorry. Anyone out there is good at that, I'll, I'll take you up on it. Please tell me. And I want to see some cultist units. There's got to be some in here. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And, and um, as you were talking about the, like infesting planets and laying dormant for a while, I thought about the death world cycle and the... Mm-hmm. the what's the mechanic? That deep, strike. Deep, the, strike. deep Strike. Deep Strike. Deep Strike mechanic. Yep. So it's, not, it's similar to, but not, not completely uh, aligned with the, the Deep Strike mechanic, which I think is... Interesting. We I don't think we've seen any Tyranid deep strike cards, have we? If I was to predict a gene cell unit or two would be obvious. They yeah. fit that perfectly. Um, another type of lictor, because we've only seen one type of lictor, and I mentioned before, lictors are like the combat scout version of the gene stealers. The Tyranids launch them out into an area that they think is good already, and they're there to um, to do a similar sort of thing, to run around, see what's around, and if it's successful, they'll send a message. They send a message to the high fleet, but they're more like um, like uh, recon ranger units as opposed to the slow insidious version. So we've seen one lictor so far. They're the they're the ambush specialists. They're your predators. Right. Okay. So you mean the stalking lictor? The yeah. The so that's the only one we've seen so far. Yeah. That type yeah, yeah, yeah. of unit. That type of that, unit is that, a deep striking synapse. We haven't, hey, seen, we haven't seen a synapse unit. I wonder if I would be. I'm now. I'm. I guess I'm hopeful now that we will see a new synapse unit in the in the death world cycle. Would it would be a big deal. It would be it yeah. would be as big as a new planet, basically, at least for the Tyranids. Yeah. I mean, another synapse would be a massive yeah. deal. It's something you can guarantee to bring along. That's why they've got to be very careful on balance. I would exp- if I was going to see a deep striking lictor, I would expect an non-synapse one personally. No, 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 think, no, no, yeah. no. Like yeah. you couldn't deep strike with a psychic yeah. synapse unit, yeah. right? Exactly. Synapse unit. So it starts. It's why, for example, even, even though I'm like, I would love a gene stealer synapse unit. I don't think one's going to exist again because un- unless it was 
It, it could do. It could trigger some of the other effects we've seen, things like the nesting chamber and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it certainly wouldn't be one that you would ambush down because that would just be utterly horrifying. Right, right, right. You know? Well, and, and it's interesting because I wonder if, yeah, that's that's a design design choice that Brad has to make is does he, because it would seem a little bit over the top to release a new Tyranid Warlord in a cycle as well as a new Synapse unit. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's an either or proposition. Yeah. I guess we'll that's, a, that's a complex decision that I'll let yeah. someone else I make. Could, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I could kind of see, I could, kind of, I could actually kind of see a deep striking synapse. So it would be that you place it down, the deep strike cost is fairly high, and, uh, and when it comes in, you remove your current synapse from play, and this becomes your current one. So you end up with oh, this. Yeah, yeah, you end, okay, you end up with, okay. So the balance is maintained. You've paid a cost for it. You've got the surprise effect you wanted. Wow. And now this new guy does something when he turns face up. Like, not like all the others do. Well, Heck, that, I'd, that, I'd, yeah, take, I'd, I'd take that if it was in Festa Planet, personally. You know, that would do fine by me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's an easy call yeah. for it. You know? And that would allow you to change your synapse unit appropriately if you wanted to mm -hmm. mid-game take the, take the elixir as well, the you would have to have place. your synapse unit in play at the time there would be a good call for it that's that, would be a, that would be yeah. a huge limitation it's a two card combination that probably costs a crap load of money mm -hmm. yeah yeah that could because yeah. like you say you, start, you could start out with elixir as the nice solid choice doing his command stuff but then when you need to our crazy new friend turns up and you know, un until recent developments, I would have said that was crazy. But we have seen Rebirth in Netrunner where you can switch out. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so all next week, the one of the packs in Net one of the the newest pack in Netrunner, and this hit mm -hmm. in in the same day. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting for those of us yeah. who play both games. Yes, it's going to be. It's going, if by interesting you mean mildly expensive, first of all, yes. mildly expensive. expensive you know. and, a bit of a, and, and you know, we've talked in the past about how many LCGs can your brain process? Mm -hmm. How many can you play at any one time? Yeah. And realistically, I'm playing one and three quarters. Oh, okay. Right? I I'm playing I, one and three quarters. You're probably playing like two and three quarters. I, I, I've, I've concluded <laughs> on two. I'm okay. definitely these days it's Conquest and Netrunner. I haven't. I'm not playing much else. No Game of Thrones? Not really, no. Oh, okay. I, I kept up as much as I could, but um, I very quickly realized that, particularly, well, the fun part is, Netrunner's my main card game. I've played that however long, and I stay with that as much as I can, and it's big and popular in the store I work at, Absolutely. so I do the, do, that's part of my job. And I was playing plenty of Conquest and enjoying it, but nowhere near as much as other stuff. Yeah. Then I got involved in you guys, and basically Conquest became a matter of, well, you know, now I have to keep up. <laughs> I don't have much choice here, because every so often people ask me pointing questions, and I go, have to go, oh yeah, and respond straight away. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah. basically, that and the fact that I'm going to make a little aside here. I saw a recent conversation about this, and I have to back this up. A couple of people have been talking on both CarGameDB and Reddit about why play Conquest, what, what LCG is good, why, what, should I get into this kind of deal? Yeah. And a very good point was brought up, and I think this is a fair one, that Conquest is without doubt the most complex of the LCGs around right now to actually play and strategize. And there's a lot of, um, I think, encouraging word from higher-end card players that it's probably the best overall of the LCGs. In terms of, of, of getting people involved, of pulling people in, and in terms of how much skill you need to do well at this game. Well, yeah, and, you know. and we, we wanted to talk about how to teach people this game, how oh, to good for the maximum impact, right? Mm -hmm. So having played Netrunner, it's an original version almost 20 years ago, playing this Netrunner for as long as I have, basically since its inception, there's, there's an element to Netrunner that is not in Conquest, and that is that... A brand new netrunner player who has a competent deck, right, and has and has a, a well-built deck. It can be a generalized, you know, not focused. It could just be kind of this general toolkit deck. Mm -hmm. Can win 
because of the randomness of access. Because mm -hmm. in Netrunner, you're looking for agenda cards. And for those of you who haven't played Netrunner, it's based on cards that are in the, the corporation's deck, which are represented by agendas. If the runner accesses these, he scores, he steals them, scores them. There's yeah. a few mechanics to prevent that, but there's basically you're, you're scoring them. The first one to seven win. Yeah. So the runner, based on pure freaking randomness and luck, can win, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it happens a lot. Like the the many of us have said, the the worst person to sit across at a tournament is someone who's brand new, mm -hmm. who doesn't really know the game, or not, not even a tournament, just like, okay, I don't know what you're doing, so I can't, yeah. so because, you know, when you start playing in, in tournaments, when you start playing leagues against regular players, you know their habits, you know, okay, this is the best way, I'm going to bait them into this, but then you play a card that they should run on, but it's a new player, so the new player doesn't know any better and goes, I'll run there instead, and you're like, no, and win. Yep. Yeah. Right? Netrunner, so there's a yeah. randomness to Netrunner that allows them to win, that sparks the interest of that player and continues their interest. The new player who wins, obviously you, you play a game you just won. Hey, okay, mm -hmm. I can do this. That was fun. I could do conquest. That randomness is is still there, but extremely is much more minimized. And the strategy, I think, at the table, dealing with the cards in your hand, is more important in conquest than it is in that runner. Totally agree. I mean, that runner is a poker game. So you need to you you're, you need to be able to influence your opponent outside of the actual cards played. You need to be able to rather you know the effect of what's going on. Is what I'm trying to say. You need to right. be able to 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 apply influence your opponent by going. You can't ignore this, or this is going on. Obviously, isn't it? You know, I'm trying to treat you on all variants through there. Whereas in conquest, every most of most of the important stuff is in the open. You place a unit out at a planet. It's there. Now there right. are surprises and combat swings. Of course there are, but it's. That large deal there, and people. I mean, that's what's kind of getting back to the, weaving that back into the complexity of the game. Is you have five planets, you both alternate, so there's none of the um, none of the my turn your turn effect, basically. Right. The turn by the, the whose player's turn effect is very very mm -hmm. very heavily compacted. It's a tiny um, difference in the effect of things mm -hmm. that you that you can capitalize on, but it's nowhere near as obvious. Um, mistakes are easier to correct. The simple one there. You do. You you you. you you're not going to have a bad turn like you would in Netrunner. Hand the turn to the opponent. Your opponent goes, "Oh, marvelous! I've got a full four clicks to go and completely capitalize on this." Right. No, they'll have like you say one, one, right. one deploy. And and there are, the, and the, and in conquest, the, it's a phase based game, right? Mm -hmm. Each turn, the, the 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 rounds are phase based, so that you have a deploy phase, you have a commitment phase, you have a battle phase, and you have a headquarters phase. So the, that structure in and of itself is fairly, uh, and I think conquest is the, the phase-based game versus the turn-based game, like the Netrunner is. The phase-based game allows for simplicity of structure, mm -hmm. right? And it is the game, and Netrunner is the same way, but but conquest is fairly simple. Deploy phase, you each have an action, then you, then you're done. It gets a little hairy during battle phase where the action windows flip, 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 flip. Mm -hmm. No actions, no actions, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's the you know battle as as you might expect the battle phase of the game is the most complex. Yeah. But that's the fine detail. That's right, the, the right, thing absolutely. Is, yeah. They're the mechanically the, the, the most complex. Yes, mechanically yeah. the battle yes. phase is the most complex. Yeah, but the strategy mm -hmm. is so deep. I still like I've I've played new players who's like you know I can't win, and I'm like, and I and I rehash the I was zero and eleven. Like, I played in that first World Eater tournament at Gen Con. You and I played in that? Did, did you and I play in that? Oh, no, no, I brought it no, back. I, yeah. I played in that. So I brought it back. I think I was 
two and two or three and two or two and three, something like that. Mm-hmm. I was playing orcs, Nazdrak. And then I played some more, I played some more, I played some more, and I got Strachan, I played Strachan. But overall, the, for, with, with the limited number of people who were playing back here in Colorado, I lost. I lost a lot. They were winning, they were kicking my butt all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I went into Worlds that year, tw- uh, 0-1-11. <laughs> all right? I, like, I couldn't win. And then all of a sudden, I end up 4-2 and two at Worlds, and there it is, right? And so I something had clicked. Yeah. You I mean, need to kind of deep dive, dive, deep dive. And so that's what I want to get to. Like, when we're teaching a game, right, because unlike Netrunner, where you might have that random win in – Mm-hmm. You, you're going to have the random yeah. win in mm-hmm. one in four games, one in five games to bait the hook. Exactly. In Conquest, you're not going to have that because in Netrunner, you can make up you can make up for a bad turn and go, okay, draw, 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 draw. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Agency, agency Conquest, you player. get two cards a turn and everything else you get is due to mm-hmm. your good play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I also think that, um, so in terms of teaching Conquest, I mean, people who might just be tuning in, I work for a game store, I teach games all the time. I've taught games all my life anyway, but the last right. five years has been my job is to help people to learn to play things and so like tactically as it were there are a variety of ways of doing this um, I do think one of the ones in Conquest there is that the Orc and Marine decks whilst being good kind of like teaching material if you know what I mean relatively straightforward to play mm-hmm. um, I think that for a new player getting encouraged to play I think the Orcs are a bad call in that demo deck I think that you need two high efficiency decks, you need like marines and and honestly I would say like one of the Dark Eldar ones carefully built with a little, 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 with a little more power units than they have right now we've got more to choose from anyway in the later things I don't think I would go straight from the core set the idea being that people, uh, a new player needs to get that whole idea in conquest of, I look at my hand and I've got let's say a, a standard opening might be a couple of command units and a couple of um, combat units and I, I look at my hand and go okay where do these guys need to go on the table so I'll put that, my opponent will put down a command guy Right, so now I've got a choice, which is either go take my, go get command for myself, or oppose him. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things have to be, I think, welded into the brain early on. Because then they're looking at, so do I put the combat guy out first to encourage him to throw guys over there? Or do I wait and see? Because that's, what, that's basically how is the, your deploy turn is going to go for the rest of your gaming life for Conquest. Mm-hmm. You can look at that table and go, right, what do I need to be doing when? And I, I th- and I think there needs to be more of that feel of being able being able to oppose your opponent. Like you're saying, the whole once this snowballs out of control, it's right. all over. There is right, no coming right, back. Right. Yeah, well, very, and that's a good little. point. Like, do you deploy? And I don't know that I've ever considered it in that way. Deploying com- command units versus combat units first. I guess it. I guess it depends on what you have in your hand and what you're trying to bait your person into doing. Right. Well, right. If you're trying to bait your opponent into into a particular into uh, oh you know I want I want him to think I'm going over here or I'm not going over here so you start playing mm-hmm. what kind of units do you play right, right? and it's and I would love to give you a scenario but this is one of the things with conquest and I think this is why when we we've talked about this so much at least amongst each other is that there's 1.2 million combinations of those planets mm-hmm. right every board is different Mm-hmm. Every board is different. Netrunner, you start, you both have, you have five cards, and one, one player has five cards, you have five cards. Yes, those, those are, might be different five cards every time, but the table is blank. Mm-hmm. In Conquest, I have six or seven or eight cards, and there's five planets that are completely different than the five planets from last time. 
And that, I would love to say, oh, in this scenario, you do this, that, and the other thing. You can't say for sure because it all depends. I consider things like, and I, this is what I tell new players, is I, when I'm looking at command, okay, what do I need to win command? I need to keep my engine going, right? So what's going to be the short end of the stick? Is it going to be cards? Is it going to be resources? Are they even? If they're even, what do I think I need for my deck? Do I have a low cost unit structure? In which case, I don't need as many resources as I need cards. I want choices because if I have low, a low cost curve, I want more cards and choices than I need more resources. If I have a higher cost curve, I need more resources instead of cards because if that one card I get that costs five, I want to be able to play. Right. So you gotta realize what's going on with your deck and what the limitations are. Mm. I played, you know, I think I won regionals because I managed to win command on Balrus, which I think is a two card planet. I won command three or four turns. In mm -hmm. one particular game, I, th I won it on three, in three turns. And so I had card advantage over uh, David, who was playing a mirror match war. We mm -hmm. were playing mirror match war. And so when you're playing that mirror match, what do they need? Right. right? Well, you know, I, I think, I think um, <clears throat> a lot of that is actually a little bit more advanced that people get into now. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, True. A, a different type of new player because okay. when, what really got to me um, when, when I first started playing card games, I played Magic. And my roommate introduced it to me. He's like, hey, I got this game to show you. So we shuffled up a couple of decks. And he proceeded to beat my head in, like, mm -hmm. three games in a row. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Let's yeah. play again. Yeah. <laughs> when Tobin showed me Conquest, we shuffled up a couple of decks. And he proceeded to beat my head in. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So maybe I'm a masochist. I don't know. I, prob I know I am. But I was able to see how what appeals to me as a, a card player is the mechanics of the game. And then that's what got the hook into me. And then it's like, okay, well, the lore is interesting. And then I started reading a lot more lore. And like, wow, the hooks just got deeper and deeper. So I think there are a lot of things that, as a player goes on, they're going to find things to, to get them. If you're going to teach the game in the first thing, I would actually recommend uh, a Space Marine deck. Mm -hmm. Because... You, yep. the, the Space Marine, it's like, okay, we're going to play Kato. He's a core warlord. He's very good. He's very solid. Space Marine units are good. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also play... And there's uh, a core sort of the universe. Right, right. Core-wise, right? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, but then I'd also play an Astro Military deck or a low-cost unit. This is going to going to your idea, Tobin, of what does my deck need? So have two kind of deck archetypes, but pretty straightforward decks. Mm -hmm. um, the Marine, a little bit higher cost, very combat efficient. And then Astro Militarum or something like that. Very low cost and the whole, I'm going to swarm you. Or maybe the... I would say... And maybe it's war. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Because well, Gotez can be difficult. Strachan, Strachan might come into his own... I would, I would say, I would say Strachan would be a little bit easier because he's a yeah. mechanic yeah. that when he's at the planet, he's going to give your guys... You know, and build soldiers and warriors in the deck. Yeah. And yeah. Ma maybe you have a couple orc units in... in maybe it's a mono space marine, maybe a couple orc units in the Strachan mm -hmm. deck. Mm -hmm. So... You, People could see. Oh, okay. Here's my allied. Faction. That's a fair comment. I do think with the starter decks for people for conquest, I think you need to put allies in straight away, if only because the first thing they go away thinking is I can have more than one type of thing in my deck. Yeah. And if they, if it's their first card game, they're not going to think of that at first. I've seen so many monocolor mono um, non-factions straight decks in conquest when people first start out because they they've got partly they've partly they've never been introduced to the idea of go outside of your 
area to go get things. Right, right. right and right. also, they're thinking, Marines. Right. I have a Marine deck, so I must put Marines in it. Well, yeah. that's right. fine, yeah. but... Now, th- you know. No, that's good. Now, one thing one thing I will point out is the, the demo decks. I've, I've given the demo decks out to a couple people. Mm-hmm. And one Netrunner player, uh, Owen, who's, who's down to Total Escape, and I keep saying, come on, Owen. You just got a promotion. You just got a new job. You got the money. Come on, go and, 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 and you know, come over to our side. Of the universe, come right? over and join us, Bob. Yes. <laughs> and so, so we, so but he's been using the demo decks and he's been playing the demo decks and the demo decks in and of themselves play each against each other very well. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. I watched a couple of the games. I just sat and watched. I'm like, oh my god, this is insane! Like, it's they're very well matched up. It ha- because the Marines can deal a lot of damage very quickly, then and the, and the, the orcs, orcs can it absorb it and <laughs> yeah. hit back. Yeah. Right. Right. So, in terms of a, in terms of the tightness of the game, I think it can work quite well. Yeah. But yeah, you know, playing Astro Militarum, playing Space Marines, um, I, I think I, those I, are good choices. I do like the idea of getting two archetypes against each other. I think Swarm versus mid-sized units is a good early archetype for players to understand. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have quite as many of the big, say, flashy, explodey spells from Magic, right. as it were. Right. So you, you don't want to get into an, 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 an event-heavy kind of deck that would be Eldorath, right. Zarephur, yeah. or something. That would be a little complex. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and I would actually teach the game in three phases. The first phase, only being the planet flop. Right? To deal out the planets, start talking about the abilities. Yep. Say, here's, you know, here's, the win, here's you know, planet three, because there's three red icons, is a, is a win condition. You know, and then talk about initiative, maybe how initiative port and important initiative could be. Mm-hmm. And then sh- pick the plants back up and shuffle them back out and see how things have changed. And go through that a couple times. And then I would do... Yeah, that's actually a good idea. And then after you set, then yeah. after you set that out, then only do command. Like, okay, now we're going to fight for resources. And you explain that. And you can kind of explain how this sets up your later turns, right? right. And you do that a, a couple of times. Right? Rather than sit, sitting down and, and playing a whole game right away. Right. And then kind of go, okay, now let's shuffle up our decks. And we're just going to do combat. Here's one planet. Just put out all the units that you have in your hand. You know, like, and draw some like, draw some like 12 cards. Everybody put out their units. And don't worry about resources. Ex- or maybe have, you know, three or four resources so that you can, in case you had events to play. And now start talking about combats in the combat window. Mm-hmm. And because it's like how things go back and forth. Because you're going to have, you have combat actions, you've got combat reactions. You've got force reactions, all those things that all of a sudden hit. That right there can be overwhelming. So it's like, okay, here's planet. So, this so, is how it changes. Okay, and, As, uh, and, and I agree. So I guess I'm sitting here looking up, thinking. So you're doing it outside of the regular rules of the game. Yes, mm-hmm. and that is one thing. That or the, I'd like the, to hear. Or, what or you the normal have, progression of the game. Yeah, and I'd yeah. like to hear what you have to say on this, Carl. But, but I, I really hesitate to stay away from that. Yeah. But it, am I? Is that? Am I wrong? Um, I think you, you, that's you, just my style. Yeah, you're both hitting, you're both hitting different things. Those will work. Those will work very well depending on the person. I mean, that method there is completely viable. The breaking it down section by section. I do think the, the, to pick one thing out. The whole thing about combat. I think the combat windows and details become absolutely last. They come outside of a demo. I think you avoid those almost as much as you can. The the, the early version of the game for the person is on your turn. You can play an action if you want. Then if you don't, you can attack and just leave it at that. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's kind of I kind yeah. of gloss over that too. I'm like, yeah. technically, you all have action windows between each attack. But we're not going to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, ignore them. Just just <laughs> take a swing. Yeah, because okay. yeah, you see, that's that's where a lot of you, you, I mean, we all know, but combat becomes a game of your action window, mine. Okay, then I can swing and back and forth, and that gets right. that's a lot. That that is a big. You're quite right. That's a hard I, part. And to that's hit. not even we're not even discussing about 
action windows before the range skirmish. Oh, anything right. with like, yeah, yeah, anything with. <laughs> like but, that's, but, you, but that's where I live. <laughs> in, terms, in, in terms of you dealing with that, the situation you mentioned there of breaking down the game into its sections. I mean, let's look how the planets play out. Okay, let's look how then how you use that to do command. Okay, let's then do a com combat round. That's a good way in a literal tutorial and a good way, I think, almost after someone's played a quick version of the game as a mm. as a, a second class, as it were. And I think if you were to sit down with someone and go, this is why you should play this. Are you interested? And I'll show you quickly why these bits are cool. Because I've done that kind of thing with a blog game. I've literally taken it out and not played the game, but showed them parts of it. I, mean, I, I, tend okay. to, I tend to remember, when I'm selling a, selling a game in my everyday working life, I tend to remember parts of it that I can easily encapsulate and describe. And so there's a really cool bit where such and such kind of thing happens. And why that's cool is this. Okay. Know, depending on who I'm selling to, whether the person right. is more float well, engaged or rule engaged. And, and I should say, what, you know, what colors my, my ideas of how, how to teach the game is because I've actually, the players I've taught have been 13-year-olds. 13-year-olds are younger. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Yeah. My, my daughter, my daughter's friends. And all that kind of, and there's been a lot of interest, and they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is really neat. This is really cool." And I've played a number of games like that, um, so maybe it's it, probably you know the, the the learning curve there is different, and yep, the, yep, the style yep. of learning is different with younger players. Yep, yep. I would count. So. I would count what you said or that that description of the method you described is that is a great way of mentoring someone. Right, someone and goes, that's exactly want, what that uh, yeah, situation I, I, is. Yeah, I want to try and understand more about this game. Well, let's start with just throw some planets down. Etc. Like you were saying there, I, I when I come to teach card games at the moment, um, there's a standard issue method I've used, particularly on Netrunner. Um, I've done, I haven't done it as much as on Conquest; just hasn't been the case. Um, but it's two little things I do, well, three really. I tend to start with a smaller hand size, so I would say both players take a five-card Conquest hand. Okay, um, you precede them. You go through the deck and you take out things you want to have. So they're going to have a hand of five cards that you know exactly what's in there. And then you can play play open hand too is not a bad method depending on how right, 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 overwhelmed right. someone is feeling. Yeah. You put out I haven't actually done this one before and I literally just thought this, but you put out three planets. These three planets are a winning three, period. With some interesting combinations and not too and maybe do a slightly clever pick on the abilities. Avoid some of the weirder ones that might be less obvious in how effective they can be. The deal damage HQ can throw people, stuff like that, right. you know? Lay these guys out. And play a small game like that. So you trim down some rules, simplify combat. The idea being that you can, you particularly with a, a preset hand, you can start with. So there are three, there are however many types of cards there are in the game. I haven't thought about this before. Units, units, events, supports, attachments. There's four types of cards. Yeah, four. yeah, yeah. So there are four types of cards in the game. If you look at your hand. The first thing on your side will be a unit. It'll have army under the bottom. Blah 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 blah. And you can fire through how those play. So I'm going to take my army unit. That costs so much. I'm going to put it into play. I would suggest you do the same. And as, as you put them down, you can you can slowly bleed in information. You could maybe even avoid the command structure on the first play. Just get them in planets and get them to fight. And if you're playing with three small ones like that, just get the idea that when that icons go down. I think I've demoed, I've, I should refer, I think demoing and teaching a game are, are separate for starters all. Mm -hmm. um, the, the version that Tobin was mentioning before then, the thing that those two demo decks are good at doing is, look how awesome this game is. Not teach you particularly much how it plays, not teach you what you should be doing, just look how damn cool this game is. He's these big marines smacking enormous chunks off these orcs, uh, who are still getting back up yep, and throttling yep. the marines as they die. You know. I mean, that, that's um, that's what in one of the games works are referred to as froth. It's like, this is fantastic, look at these guys, oh, like four, four sixes on those dice there, this guy explodes in pieces. That, that's a demo. Right. Whereas a teaching in a tutorial game is a different matter. Mm. And in, somewhere in between the demo and your method is that middle point that I try and, when I do this all the freaking time I try and aim for and it also it's like you said that method probably would work a lot better with younger kids 
Whereas an older player is the guy, the guy who's played Netrunner before. I'm probably going to yeah. do that in five-hand structured one, or maybe even just the whole break open the game, show him a few parts, see what he thinks. You know, give him the, give him the full guns. It it really well, and, does and, vary and, on your audience. And and people people who have played card games before mm-hmm. uh, realize uh, maybe by the second turn in conquest, the second round in conquest, where you're draw, where you're drawing four cards and they're drawing one, they're like, oh wait, right, that whole idea of card advantage. Yeah. Ah, yeah. you really need to remember how important that is yeah. and because it's not something that happens in other games magic you draw one card at a time sometimes yeah. you do some tutoring sometimes you do some stuff like that yeah. uh, netrunner you get you have complete control over how many cards you draw yeah. unless somebody plays yeah. a particular card true but, but utterly including massive yeah. spikes available yeah, yeah. yeah netrunner has such so, heavy card draw in places yeah. so the 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 it's not as hard to teach those subtleties to a card player, but so mm-hmm. I, I hope what we've done, and this is what I did with another player. He he came to come of a couple of our store championships, and he knew the mechanics of the game, but getting them to the next level strategy. So the so there's teaching the mechanics that we've talked about, mm-hmm. but we've also talked about this kind of steep learning curve that it's pretty shallow, but then after a few games. It goes to boop, it goes yeah. to a cliff side, yeah, yeah. and you have to realize what it is you have to do to get up that cliff. And so I had, he had gotten to that cliff, he'd gotten to the base of that cliff, and he's like, I don't know what to do. And then we talked about it, and we laid out the plan, and I said, Here, this is what it is. I, I went to that mentor phase, yeah. what mm-hmm. you're talking about, breaking breaking down right. sections. It's like, okay, and let's and break down them. the command. Let's see how important this is. Let's what are your what is your deck like? That your your point before where okay that's a little bit more higher strategy you're right that is that's mm. the phase you enter when you're trying to get that player that who's gotten to the bottom of the cliff you wanted to get him to the top we talked about that and that next game was so much more competitive like yeah, yeah. I think I won but it, it was a five or five or six planet win it was a much tighter game he had he was doing an insane amount of damage he's playing Zarathur. Whereas the first game was one, two, three, we're done. Like yeah. It wasn't even competitive because he mm-hmm. kept going, he kept deploying in weird phases. The whole warlord deploys a whole other right. Oh, com- warlord commitment yeah. is a whole other yeah. ball game. But again, we're talking about introducing them on that short cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, on that short ride, getting them, getting the hook in their mouth, mm. and then the, the you enter they enter another phase, and you have to be ready to go there with them to go to help mm-hmm. them up the cliff. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, totally. I really think it is a cliff. It's not a steep learning curve. It's a freaking yeah. I, I've, sorry, I've, I've recently um, in a couple of games I'm playing, and I think Conquest is one of the big um, uh, sort of after exemplars of this. Is that a lot? A lot of the skill you have to pick up in Conquest is that little bit of adaptability. Is you have to have a game plan, and then you have to apply it. And the applying it is the that's going to change as I go. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to do the same right, turn twice. Not and and that's, that's one of the things yeah. I love about. I love about conquest is because you ha- you can have a plan. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Is that you can have a plan, and like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then your opponent does something like I can't do what I was going to do now, so now I'm going to do this. So. And having to change that and being able to do that on the fly, that interaction really makes the game fun for me. Oh yeah. Improvisation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's but it's a heck of a skill set. The combination oh, yeah. of all oh, those. Yeah. Com- I mean, we, uh, I was saying we were talking. I was I mentioned the whole poker thing with Netrunner before. So first of all, you have a at the start of conquest. You have an efficiency, partly an efficiency question. 
I have some resources, I have some cards in hand, I have the ability to gain more cards and resources. So I must do this in a way which is efficient and effective to get more cards and resources. But I have to keep an eye on the fact that I can't just do that because I have to um, be com combatively competitive. So I have a very complex, um, interesting efficiency question. Then I have to play poker. I have to try and guess where my opponent is going to do and what he's up to. So I have to pick one of those five numbers, and what I'm doing is gambling with my warlord's life, or at least with next turn. Definitely where next turn the combat's going. Mm -hmm. So then I do that. So then, then, I, then, then depending on how when the poker game goes... That's a huge risk-reward. Yes, that you have massive. Yeah. yeah. Then, I, then after that, I have a very tight, complex, um, tight, uh, carefully timed-based effectiveness problem. Effectiveness being different from efficiency. Well, what I want to do is not necessarily do things in the, the most um, cheap and money-efficient way. I need to win. Or I need to realize when I'm done and go home. Yeah. So I have this very, very yeah. tightly done thing that I really can't afford to make too many mistakes in. And then I get, then I get to see how my efficiency played out, and then we do it all over again. Right, yeah, right. Th that is a hell of a skill set, as well as yeah. being able to modify and, my plan on the and, fly. And I think yeah. one of the things... Uh, one last point I want to make here is... Conquest games are intended to be are timed out, right? In tournaments, now this doesn't apply to casual play, but in tournaments they're timed out at 55 minutes. 55 minutes allows for seven, for almost eight minutes a turn, eight minutes per round. Take your time, folks. If you want to, you know, I, I, I come into the store, I don't play Magic anymore, but I, I, I watch a lot of Magic Blink play when I come in on Tuesday nights. And they're, they're flying. The cards are flying fast and furious. People mm -hmm. are like, it's a, kind of an automatic drive, mm -hmm. right? Conquest, even if, you're a, even if you're very well versed in the game, you shouldn't be on automatic pilot. Yeah, you can't afford you to be. Can't. There's the, the, you cannot take back the mistakes. Consider the commitment. Consider the deployments. Consider uh, playing events. Consider who you're going to attack. There's all these things. Take your time. No one's gonna. It, it used to like when I was first playing the game. I'm like, come on, let's play, let's play, let's play. And then I realized, no, you know what? Mm -hmm. Let's play, and enjoy this time, mm -hmm. and play the best game we can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Jason Wallace, he, he tends to play faster than than I'm comfortable <laughs> playing, so he plays faster. I try try to play faster. And then the other night, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm getting wrapped up in Jason's energy. Okay, no, 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 Okay, what do I want to do here? Right, play your game. If your game is faster, if you want to play a little bit more faster, that's fine. But realize that if your opponent is playing faster and you're kind of a slower, more deliberate player, uh, a la John King. I, I don't know where. Oh, oh, John, John, yes, yes, slower, more deliberate player. Then play that style. Be comfortable. Having having played more um, uh, tournament and event games this year than ever before in Conquest, I will say to people as well, a lot of you guys out there need to acknowledge the windows. Once you play the couple of games and know where the various windows for things should be, you need to go, and we're passing this one now, right? Yep. Cool. You know, yeah, yeah it needs to happen a little bit more because there's plenty of moments of wait. Particularly, you know, I'm playing Eldorath, I'm playing, the, I'm playing Omega, so I'm going to be watching very precisely for that moment. So I kind of need to go, you do know where I'm going to now, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, and, and that's important because there's windows, a plethora in the in a battle phase. Yeah. Right? But the, there's an action window in the commitment phase, but it's after everybody has won and determined command. Yeah. Then there's an action window before the battle phase begins. 
and in the headquarters phase, it's at the very beginning of the headquarters phase. So headquarters phase begins, there's your action window, and then everything else happens. Yeah, before and that's important to recognize because yep. Farenhall's signature support is a headquarters action mm. that you must take then. Interesting, before you right. get your caching cards. Before so, you yep. get your caching cards, yep. Intriguing. Yep. At least I think that's it. See, and this <laughs> is where I have to check. Well, fortunately for once, folks, we appear to have we appear to have reference reference material yep. on hand. Yep. So the headquarters <laughs> phase begins action window, and then planet token is placed on the next planet. Face down planets revealed. Player draws two cards, gains four resources, readies all the cards, and the initiative token passes, and the phase round ends. Yeah. And when you are teaching your players, do you want your come folks to get those things in the right order? Because it might seem completely trivial, but in every card game released, and particularly in fantasy flight games, they love to do things that screw with this. I would not be shocked at some point in the future to say, when a planet token is placed on a planet, the first planet token do a thing. Because they, they, they will play off that stuff. It will happen. So yeah. try and do your best that to keep them in the right order. Yeah. It's and, you know, uh, it, it might go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways, which is have this appendix to the timing chart and gameplay. Have those pages open when you're teaching somebody. Yeah. You know? has, has a helpful soul in the for, in the conquest community produced those into card size yet? Like for, for Netrunner? No. They probably uh, should. There <laughs> was uh, the John Gobey, the Facebook administrator for the for the larger group. He put these up uh, in addition to some that he to some custom ones that he made re regarding planet battle resolution and all that those kinds of things. It is Friday, and so there it might be very likely a <laughs> a an announcement of the next pack. But Gen Jungles of Nextivist is coming out next week, or coming out after Necrons. Legions of Death is set to arrive midweek next week, Wednesday, Thursday. I think the street date is uh, the 26th. The Thursday, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And we, for the first time, will attempt to do back-to-back -back episodes. And I'm saying it on the record here <laughs> so that <laughs> we're kind of committed to doing so. But we look forward to, uh, to offering that back-to-back, -back and, and we're going to have... To, as a teaser to next week, we're going to have our first Necron lists. So John, Carl, and I are going to assemble, assemble quote, in quotation marks, <laughs> assemble decks that we'll Into, share um, next week. And, and disentomb some Necrons? Disentomb some Necrons? <laughs> exhume, exhume, about right. exhume, exhume some Necrons. There yes, you go. Yes. Excavate. We are, mm. are going to have a, and this the date was chosen Obviously, before Legions of Death, but we're going to have a tournament at Total Escape Games on May 28th. Oh, two yeah. days after Necrons. Me? Yeah. <laughs> two two oh. days after Necrons. So, oh. And I've all, I already know that several of us have committed to playing Necrons. <laughs> I don't know that I have completely. I really want to, <laughs> but I think it would I think it would uh, sour the sour the teat if I built a deck that was absolutely horrible, which is absolutely a possibility. <laughs> That I build a horrible deck and I play it three or four times and then I don't want to play Necrons again. Right, so I don't, wanna, I don't necessarily want to do that. But uh, we do have an active YouTube channel and uh, we are going to record some games here in the next few weeks. So hope you uh, check those out. Thanks to Haunted Game Cafe for the recording space. If you would like to join the discussion, have ideas for future episodes, feedback, or questions for us, you can contact us at tracksinsectorwarcast.gmail.com via our Facebook page or Twitter at TracksAcceptedWC or leave a comment in the episode's comment section. This episode was sponsored in part by Rocky Mountain PC where you can save 10% if you mention you heard about them here. Thanks for listening. The, the Emperor, Emperor Protects. Protects. Great to be here, Lady Bob. <laughs>
Thank you. There we go. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Shall I do that again? <laughs> All right. Okay. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's the point. That's what I'm going for. Okay. Do the best. Okay. We'll... No problem. We'll go again. <clears throat>